My guest this evening is, well, there's no other words to describe him really, other than he competes, I think, in more events in the Ilka than any other sailor on the circuit. He competes in the Sail Juice Series, he competes at basically every qualifier in Lands Nationals over the last few years, and he also represents the country internationally. I'm of course talking about Jack Hopkins. Jack, how are you? I'm good. I think you've just described me as the sweatiest Ilka Stefan sailor. <laughs> going. Well, you're a bit nervous right now, are you? Or? Yeah, it's just ripping off me. Yeah. <laughs> but you're out in Palmer right now, the first time you've been out in Palmer for... First time and it's raining... It's freezing. <laughs> well, tomorrow literally is six degrees and twenty knots. Yeah. Feel back at home. You train in Weymouth. Live there right now. So that's the thing with the conditions like this. You'd think that the the British lads should stand a good chance of doing well. Um, but I don't know. I like it sunny and warm. So we'll just see how it goes. So what are you hoping to get out of this next week out here? <clears throat> um, I'm still, even though I'm, you'll probably mention it later on, but I'm not young. Um, but the, yeah, I haven't done that many internationals, um, so I'm still at the point where I want to try and do as many as I can and learn as much as I can from them. Um, so I just want to see improvements. I think I've done two or three internationals, so yeah, I just want to see an improvement from the last big international edit. So that will probably mean it's a, it's a really tough fleet, as you know. Um, I mean, it's going to be gold, silver, and bronze, and if it's probably the toughest fleet you'll get. You know, in the year, you know, the Worlds is a tough fleet as well, but the actual number of competitors here is greater. Yeah, I mean, the goal, the, the goal is a goal fleet. Um, but, you know, if, if I don't get that, then it's, it's not doom and gloom. I'm going to try my hardest and, and see where I go. Now, you did mention that you are a little bit older than some people, but yeah, you're yeah. in that awkward stage oh. of not a master and not a youth. Uh-huh. And a lot of people drop out. You know, yeah. first of all, why do you think a lot of people drop out? And second of all, what keeps you in it? Yeah, well, on that, I think it's it's absolutely crazy. I mean, yeah, I am late 20s, but at the same time, I think it's quite a physical sport. Um, and at this point of my life, I feel the best in terms of athletic performance. So I do find it quite peculiar when people do drop out at such a young age. I understand it from the point of view, which is they might think that they're not going to get to the top or it might be quite a financial strain or burden. And there are other things in life apart from laser sailing, like going to university, getting a job. Um, but I, I guess I've still got quite a lot of motivation to sail. And I think that's probably because I've already done university. I've already worked for a few years. So when I go out sailing, I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm going to carry on doing it until I don't love it anymore, I think. Um, well, yeah, so why do people drop out? Well, like I said, it's probably, it probably does boil down to like a financial thing, but I know certain individuals who do drop out at a young age purely because they've burnt out or they don't enjoy it, which, like I said, I do find it peculiar because coming into my late 20s, I do feel like the only thing that's holding me back is experience and time in the boat and sailing internationals, not physically anymore, which when I was younger... um that was an issue. I think when I jumped into a laser, it was late, it was only a few years ago, but even a few years ago when I was early, well, mid-twenties, I did find it hard physically. Yeah, so... And 
we first met actually was it the 2017 inland yeah. yeah at Grafham and you'd only just been back in the boat that year wasn't it I think yeah so happened. um I wasn't new to sailing in 2017 but I was quite new to laser I mean I did did and out for year a few years just club racing really um but I'd got to the point where I've been teaching for a while and I had a little bit of money so I could start I could afford to start doing more events and the Inlands in 2017 where I met the infamous Ben Flower uh, it was one of the first events that I did in the lazy yeah and yeah it was quite a fun time there and that sort of kept you in it and kept going you've got a good mate Craig Williamson who also does the Sail Juice series who went just talk to you know describe that series and you know why you enjoy doing it oh it's great so um as you know racing against the same people all year is is pretty good um especially in the laser ilkus sorry where it's the racing so tight and so close and you're looking for fine margins constantly um but that can also become quite it's, it's quite serious isn't it mm. So it's it's nice sometimes to go to an event and not worry about how you do because you can sail the best the best race of your life and be beaten by a ninety five year old and his and his <laughs> missus in a, a an enterprise. Like that. <laughs> I think it's brilliant, um, and it's good to speak to people who sail different classes. It's a different format of racing. Um, I think most of them finish with a pursuit race on a Sunday, which is just complete banter. It's just mayhem and. It's a side to sailing that I quite like. And it's also, you see people in those different classes that maybe have moved out of the laser. Mm-hmm. I know there's a few that are on the circuit right now that still sail, but I don't see them besides the Soldier Series. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of sailors as well um, in the UK that don't sail Olympic classes, but are still real good amateur sailors, and it's quite nice to sail against them. You think putting some time into a laser, you feel quite invincible at times when you're racing against amateur sailors but you can come up against a a Nick Craig for example or a, a, Ro- a Roger Gilbert and the, the, you, if you're not on top form they'll hand it to you so it can be quite humbling as well yeah and talking about those top sailors I'll just briefly mention Pete Barton you've also done a bit of aero sailing what would you say though you know you've done a bit of aero sailing mm-hmm. but you stuck with the laser or Ilka now. Yeah. You know, what's kept you in the that this class rather than swapping size Sierra, which a lot of people have done? No, no disrespect to other classes that I have dabbled in, which has been, I've done a, a solo nationals, I've done, like you said, a few aero events, and um, the aero in particular is a fantastic boat. It's so much fun to sail. Um, and the solo as well is a boat that, you know, is designed really well and it's quite a rewarding boat to sail. Um, but in terms of just boat racing, there is nothing better than a an Ilka. And, you know, the fine margins, the tactical decisions that you have to make. And then if you want to go faster than Ilka, it's, there's so many aspects to that. There's going to the gym. There's, and because it was designed a billion years ago by Bruce Kirby and it was designed originally as a beach boat, um, what I'm trying to say is it's not the the best design boat so making it work and making it sail is a real skill in itself and it's something that I really enjoy doing yeah it's quite a boring boat in terms of there's nothing well, exciting it's, yeah, it's three controls <clears throat> yeah. there's a centre board there's a rudder and a main sheet and that's about it isn't it it's as basic as you can get yeah. in terms of sailing which you know then means that the person who wins at the end of the day is 
the best you know, sailor. Yeah. It's not because they've got better equipment. No, and that's yeah. So on that, it's if you win a race in a laser, especially a a qualifier or a nationals or if you if you do well at an at an international in a race, it is like I've beaten some of the best sailors going. You know, it's not just I've I've picked out a lucky shift or I've had one good downwind. It's to to get a good result in a an Ilka. It's a combination of a few things that have to come together, and you don't get that in other classes. Yeah. So you've just got here to Palmer, but you've just done the three qualifiers in Weymouth. One at Stokes Bay and two at Weymouth. Yeah. I wasn't at the two in Weymouth, but I believe there were a bit different conditions at each one. Just describe how those three events went for you. First two were really good. Um, for me, they were good in terms of results and progress I've made over the winter training a lot. You got two thirds, am I right? Yeah, two thirds. Um, could be a little better, but um, I was quite happy with how I sailed. And I was training a lot between them. And by the last one, to be honest, I was just getting quite tired. And that kind of showed in the result a little bit. But no, there were three really quite good events. Um, typical UKLA in terms of good race officers, good courses, um, getting the races fired out pretty quickly and getting back in, which is always good. And one person that was had you know won one of the qualifiers and won the other two, who you live with right now, yeah, is James Percival Cook. Would you say right now he's your biggest rival? Um, we live together and we train together and we get on quite well. But yeah, there's a little bit of a rivalry building there. Um, we're both quite competitive, so we like to push each other pretty hard. And I think that's starting to show in some of the results. Um, I th- the problem is that we both share the same strengths and weaknesses in terms of, I think, we're both getting quite fast now. And what we both lack is experience at international level. So, hence, which is why we're both here. We'll both be doing here as we'll both be doing the Worlds. Um, so basically our calendars, both our calendars are pretty chocker this year just to get that international experience in, combined with when we get back to the UK training hard and trying to get even faster. Yeah, which, you know, the Nationals coming up in July. Yeah. Uh, no, at Hailing Island, which you actually also did live at Hailing Island for a little bit. Yeah. That's sort of where your progression sort of, you know, yeah, took so, charge a bit. Like I said, I jumped into lasers pretty late in 2017 and in order to make progression quickly or to progress fast, I decided to move down south and live close to my friend at the time, Craig. And we trained together in Hailing a lot. Um, but yeah, living by this by the coast, whether it be in Weymouth or Hailing's, really benefited my sailing. And I think over the past two or three years, it's come on quite a lot because of that. And so you've done a lot of training at Hailing. Do you think that might... You know, give you a little upper hand at the no, nationals later. Uh, no, here. it's as you know, Hailing's quite a crazy place. It's anyone's. Um, but yeah, it's, it'll be a fantastic event. Um, if the conditions are good, there's there's many better places than Hailing Island to sail. So I think it'll be a good week. And for those sort of debated sort of listeners debating whether they want to do the nationals or not, what sort of your maybe a fond memory that you've got from Hailing Island that will get people to come there. Yeah, like I said, if the conditions are good, then it's unbelievable sailing. It's It could be sunny, it could be windy, the waves are real good fun. Um, 
I know since Tony's been the what does Tony do? Uh, I what is role think in the UK, his LA? official title is sort of master, uh, sorry, nationals uh, coordinator. Well, since Tony's been involved in the UK LA and with the help of his wife, the nationals have been a lot more than just a, a boat race. There's been quite a lot going on after, um, and they're really quite good weeks, almost like as a holiday. So, if you're thinking about doing the nationals, this one will be perfect. You will get probably get some really good sailing um, and it'll be a quality week no and Portsmouth's just around the corner as well so <laughs> might even be a last night party out there or something no, so, <laughs> who knows so getting back to Palmer yeah. you know you've literally just arrived today from the airport mm-hmm. um, you're going out training tomorrow yeah what sort of base knowledge do you know about the venue and that you want to sort of look to work on tomorrow as well oh blimey um so i haven't been here before so i don't have much knowledge of the venue um so tomorrow and the next few days we'll just be getting used to it trying to understand the venue um looking at the forecast it does look a little bit crazy so um try to go out every day almost with a blank sheet of paper and not get too obsessed with oh if it's if lefts work this race then it's going to be left again next race I don't think it's going to be that type of event um who knows we'll see what sort of a venue that you've been to that is sort of you know you know it's just a one hand track Weymouth um we do a lot of our racing in the harbour which is not to everyone's taste <laughs> but um yeah. Harbour racing at Weymouth is, you know, it's a often left-hand track, um, which isn't the most interesting racing. But on the flip side, you know, it's it can kind of show who's who who's been sailing well, um, who goes fast, tends to do well. For sure, and let's go back to your first international back in the laser yes was keel 2019 yeah so just before the pandemic yeah talk us through sort of you know your whole experience of that you know coming from somebody who hadn't done a international yeah to suddenly doing one and it keels quite a nice relaxed atmosphere yeah so um i had such a good time um i've only done one other keel and that was not as nice so I think back in 2019 it was sunny um, I was there with all my friends and I think what I really liked about that event was because it was my first international I didn't put any kind of pressure on the result I just soaked up the atmosphere um, like you said kills an all round experience isn't it um, and the conditions were nice as well and actually I did quite well I think I think I was around 20th which is pretty good for the first international having said that um it did i can't remember which event it clashed with but it did it clash with another big event i can't remember but there was a few big names missing so it was quite a nice little boost for me yeah i can't remember exactly what event it clashed with but that was the year jack cookson won it won the event yeah and dan white was also on the podium so you know good sort of it was a strong brit showing wasn't it yeah it was um you did quite well as well in a few races before you had a little injury. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I did quite well, considering it was the first international, and then a few of the British sailing team sailors that went as well did all. I 
most of them made the medal race, didn't they? Yeah, I know Wayne also made the medal race. Yeah. And I think Jake just missed out on it. Yeah. So it is. We want Fritz always tends to do well in kill because it's it tends to be quite similar conditions to, to Weymouth. Yeah, choppy, so. little shifts. Yeah. So what are your sort of long term aspirations in the laser class then? Good question. Um, right now, is basically just trying to fulfil what potential I have. Who knows what that is. And as long as I'm still improving, I'll keep doing it. And if that means a gold fleet result this year or next year, then brilliant. Um, but aspiration-wise, I'm not going to stop until, like I said, I've hit a level where I'm happy with. Um, and it'll come. Um, and that level will will hopefully be to be able to compete at pretty much the top level in a gold fleet at a top international event whether that be a world championship or European championships I'm pretty confident I can do that within the next two years and you know it is tough to to make the jump and you know there's a lot of tough sailors out there but what's mm-hmm. sort of the biggest bit of maybe advice or you know thing that you've learned in say the last say two years that's moved you sailing on the most time in the boat obviously but yeah. what specifically in terms of that, you know, everyone says time in the boat, mm-hmm. but what exactly are you trying to work on? Because if you go out and just sit around on, with a laser flapping its sail about, yeah. you're not going to learn anything, are you? No, so I'm in a position at the moment, uh, we mentioned previously that I live with someone, um, James, who's at a similar level. Um, so when we go out, go out, like you said, it's not just a case of we go out and have a good time. We go out with a focus. We go out with something that we want to improve on and we try bloody hard to do that um, not just time in the boat it's time in the gym as well um, or time on the bike getting fitter getting stronger and also volume it's been pretty hard over the past two years to kind of tick that box because of coronavirus but that's something that I want to try and do now so doing as much racing as I can combined with the amount of training that I'm currently doing should progress me now let's, let's sort of divulge a bit away from the saying what you know you do a bit of teaching that's sort of your main income yeah you know how do you manage to balance you know like you said that sailing lifestyle yeah of you know wanting to get better going on the water you know with committed training and yeah. also fitting in the teaching yeah so I'm lucky in terms of I've got no other commitments apart from teaching and sailing um, so that combined with real good time management's key so I'm lucky that I'm a supplier teacher and I can pick and choose when I want to work so for example if the forecast is looking good one week and I've got some sailing events coming up then I can commit to the sailing and then if I've done a big block of training and competing and where a lot of the other full-time sailors would just have a break, that would be when I'd work and try and get the money in. Which works quite nicely, actually, because it, yeah, it provides me with an income, which means I can carry on sailing, as well as the little break that you need every now and again to keep the sailing fresh. So I'd say at the moment I'm getting the balance quite right. Um, this year I'm going to try and do as much sailing as I possibly can so um, hopefully the sailing, sailing will get better but 
on the flip side, the bank account might not be very happy. <laughs> we'll worry about that later. Yeah. So, what else besides sailing do you you like to do? You know, sailing can't be the only thing you like to enjoy. Um. <laughs> well, yeah. So with along with the teaching and the sailing, that does take up a lot of my life. Um. Uh, I love cycling. You know, I've only recently got into it when I realised that one of the best ways to keep fit is to cycle um, and it's almost become a bit of a hobby as well so sometimes when I'm not feeling like going to the gym or I'm not feeling like just getting on the turbo training and doing an hour of an hour sweat fest then I'll get out on the bike and do a good workout and it's also fun uh, as you know I like um, I follow football as well not yeah. not to the same level as you but great. um it's a shame that you're a Liverpool fan, though, isn't it? I wouldn't say a shame. You know, I've waited all my life for, for them to finally be good. Um, so, yeah. So it's a bit symptomatic, like you're sailing then. <laughs> yeah, really, really bad now. Not too bad. <laughs> but yeah, so moving moving back to sort of let's let's go to the UK scene, okay? In terms yeah. of the, you know, UK sailing, you've yeah. done a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You know, the qualifiers results, you've been steadily moving up the order. Yeah. You know, last year you had a good nationals result. Um, as you beat the me. Pre- well, okay. And the previous <laughs> year you had, you've had two top tens the last two years, where which basically everybody was at the event. Yeah, so, so they've both been pretty difficult events. It's been nice that I think pretty much all the British sailing team have done the past two nationals. I think that def- definitely the 2021, everyone did it, didn't they? Mm. And it was... A really, really good event. Uh, last year, I think only Elliot was missing. Uh, Who just got back from Tokyo, so yeah, so that's a pretty good excuse not to do it, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I think the the key is not to quit. So, you touched at the start when people drop out. Maybe it's because, maybe I don't know. It could have been because of a bad result, but sometimes it's the bad results where you learn the most from. Um, so yeah at the time it, it can be pretty upsetting but if you take a step back and think what went wrong and how can I improve better next time and that kind of mindset will just see you improving and you know, like you said it, it, you want to keep improving yeah. and those tough results are pretty bad but what mm-hmm. sort of you know if you have a on a week long event especially yeah. if you have a bad day how do you process that and come back the next day and try and have a clean mindset. Yeah, this is um something that I do want to improve. It, um, it, it's probably a weakness for me. So if something's going bad, I do find it quite difficult at the moment to reset and go again the next day. Um, I think maybe I'm too emotional, uh, but it is something that I want to work on. So, yeah, I guess moving forward. I do need to be better at if it, if I have had a bad day, resetting and forgetting about it and going again the next day. And that's something that I want to do. Yeah. So it's sort of cutting out a bit of the emotions and yeah, just resetting a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, just a wider picture from that, you know, from event to event. Obviously, if you've had a few bad results, you yeah, know, at events stringing together. Yeah. You know, but you're still coming back to you know the next event sort of what is that deep down motivation and why why don't you you know maybe go to a different class or you know do something else yeah I mean I've not had 
I've not been I've not had a few back to back events where I've done really badly. I've not that's not happened yet, but if that was to happen, um you just gotta keep plugging away, haven't you? Um it's if that happens and there are a few events where they've gone badly and the next events has been exactly the same, then instead of just going again, I'd try try and take a step back and assess where it's going wrong and target that area and try and look to improve. Um yeah. I guess and while I'm enjoying it, that's something that I do quite well. Like I've had a few bad ones. Um but still because I enjoy it so much I'm able to yes be upset at the time but then go away and think, right, well that went badly, how can I improve that? And then at the next one try and improve in that area and at the moment that's what I'm doing. Yeah. It's it's a good mindset to have. Um, well it's easier said than done yeah it is it's, it's especially at this practice. level where it is a real possibility to have a, a string of bad results well I mean bad results in inverted commas you've got to put it into perspective like these sailors that I'm competing against now have been full time sailing for 10 years um, the proper athletes like they train every day they work immensely hard I mean you just have to look at Mickey and Elliot and I've been lucky enough to train over the past year. I've been lucky enough to spend a few days training with them and just to see the way they operate is, yeah, amazing. Um, so, yes, on one hand, to get to that level, you need to put in the work. Um, but on the flip side, if it doesn't go your way, then you need to start putting in the work and not be too upset because... You probably haven't put in the work if you if you keep getting bad results or, um, yeah. And you mentioned Elliot there. Yeah. You know, you actually grew up. You know, because you're similar in age, similar yeah. place to the country. You mm-hmm. know, grew up racing tops against him. Yeah. You know what was that like? So, um, yeah, I was in the same squad as Elliot and Lorenzo, and we were all pretty close back in the day. Back in I think it was around two thousand and five to around two thousand and seven. We spent a lot of time together. Um, yeah, we were all pretty close, but I remember an event, I think it was in 2007, it was the Top of Nationals, and the conditions looked good for me at the time. It was my kind of conditions, and I was pretty confident I was going to win that event. And in fact, I probably should have won the event if it hadn't been for a snapped out hole. Um, but I remember we were all playing football before that event, and Elliot took me to one side and said, Jack, let's go and clean the boats. Let's go and do some boat work. And I remember thinking, well, yeah, like, I'm up for that. Like, little, you know, it might make a little bit of a difference for me, but I was thinking, it, it can't make much of a difference for you because at that time, believe it or not, Elliot was three foot four. He was tiny and the forecast was big. We had, um, I think it was 15 to 20 knots forecast all week. And I was thinking, why is he bothering doing boat work? Like, it's not going to make any difference. Like, what? But he did his boat work. Um, he was meticulous in how his boat was set up, how it, you know, how everything run. And that's when I thought, this guy's got something here. Like, he'll go right to the top. Um, because he knew back then, at that age, he must have been 14, 15 years old, he knew at that age that it was the little things that matter. And sure enough, here he is now, like, probably one of the best sailors in the world. So. 
Well, for sure. I mean, he's he's gone to the games and yeah, you know, he's he's still up there getting top ten results. At the they're the worst. Yeah. They're yeah. Worst. Yeah. So he's definitely up there. That's uh-huh. uh, really interesting. What other sort of memories do you have with him then back in the day? What what was the you know you said that he's quite meticulous like that. What mm-hmm. was his sort of was his racing you know hardcore as well? Was it? What I remember, than... yeah, he was just the ultimate competitor. Like he'd do anything to win. I think we're all like that at this level. We're all super competitive. Um, but it stood out at that early age. Then. Yeah, I mean, there was a few of us. Um, and like I said, even now, like the top 10 laser sales in this country are all crazy competitive. We don't really give each other much more than an inch. But yeah, like Elliot and Elliot was really quite meticulous and really quite competitive. Um, whereas I think with me, it was more fun. Um, I like just going really fast in the boat and making, and I find making a boat go fast, I think that's probably my best thing, my strongest area and not overthinking things too much. Quite similar to Lorenzo, I guess, and obviously he does it really well. Um, but yeah, Elliot was just really meticulous. And like you said, you know, the other person was Lorenzo. Yeah. What sort of the standout points from him, sort of? Lorenzo, like Elliot, was actually quite small again. Um, maybe that's benefit, benefited them in lasers in terms of so for them to go fast in the breeze because they were never that big they probably had to nail the technique so now that they're up to size they've probably got the best technique going haven't they um, but yeah they were both quite small Lorenzo again was just so dedicated like he lived in Scotland and as you know with the RYA all the trainings predominantly on the south coast and every weekend his parents would take him down from Scotland which is obviously a crazy drive and he'd be there plugging away so yeah you could tell with Lorenzo as well that he was going to go far and there was a few in that squad as well I think it was quite a successful squad there was Mickey Beckett's older brother um, Stevie who was also a really good sailor myself who I was quite handy and there was another lad called Andrew Brown who was also a good sailor as well so that was a really good squad and I think that was the start of out of that squad you could tell that it was going to be some top top sailors yeah yeah, for sure. I mean, it, you have to look at Elliot and um, Lorenzo out of those two to really highlight that. Mm-hmm. Who are both racing out here this week? Yeah. You know, when you actually came back into the boat, then yeah, you know, it's probably ten years not seeing them. Do they remember you? No, of course. Yeah, like we were really close. Um, especially Elliot. We live quite close together, so our dads would alternate and take taking us down to the south coast. Um. So yeah, it was like almost like we'd never been away. Um, and there's there's two sides to everyone. There's the racing side where everyone's super serious, and we like to keep ourselves to ourselves. But there's also times where, um, you know, it's nice to have a chat and a catch up. And I think that's the same, not just with Elliot and Lorenzo, but with all of us. I think off the water we're quite close, and I think we all get on pretty well. Um, but on the water, it's as competitive as it gets. So it's quite nice. Yeah, it's quite a nice environment to be in. Yeah, no, it is. And I'm just sort of, there's a few sort of memories going through my mind of me and you going through the years. You yeah. know, there's it only an hour to go through on this podcast. So, you know, we could be talking for <laughs> yeah. five, six hours about stuff. What's sort of your favourite memory of us then? Or something that stands oh, out? Where that do like I start? His... Where do I start with this one? Um, so I met you back in 
2017, me, the Inlands. Five and it was actually now. in a, a protest room, believe it or not. Um, what seemed like a simple port starboard was anything but. I think it was, I was on starboard and was it Orlando Gledhill? Yeah. Was on port. Was, yeah. And there was Ben Flower to witness me. Um, but it took both of us to win that protest. Like I said, you'd, you'd have thought it was just a simple port starboard, but Orlando being one of the best barristers in the UK put up a pretty good fight and almost came out rosy didn't he but we teamed up and managed to win that I think protest. teamed up is is the wrong <laughs> phrase there I mean well, I don't know I think I felt like we knew to at the time <laughs> no you can certainly see why he's regarded as one of the top barristers in the country no he was using words that I didn't know the the meaning of and um yeah I mean, he's a top bloke, isn't he? Yeah, yeah no, I've known him, he is he's really sound. He is but he didn't good. go down without a fight. Yeah. I think if I ever needed a, a lawyer, then he would be the first person to go to. Yeah, <laughs> so so after that, go on, got lo- loads of stuff that you could possibly talk about. Oh, yeah, then there was Kiel in 2019. Um, I think you started the event on fire. You had a few top threes, right? Yeah. Um, and then... <laughs> And then I was like, Where, where's Flower in this last race? Where the heck is he? Um, I remember coming in and seeing his boat on two tyres. <laughs> and I instantly thought the worst. And sure enough, we had to pick him from hospital a, f- uh, a few hours later after a head injury. Um, what else? Yeah, that, I mean, that this year, a, what about this year when we... That um, was quite an eventful week for me, you know, that, that day in particular, where you know, I was probably sailing at the best I feel I was sailing. Um, oh, you were good. And then, you know, I still look at that and think that's probably the best I'll say. And then I got a concussion where another boat sailed into me, which was yeah. a bit annoying. Typical floss thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, typical thing to happen to me, I think. So. Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Um, yeah, so you were saying about this year? Yeah, so um, I, don't, I guess as people know, we get on quite well. So we decided to team up and um, do a lot of these international events together to cut the costs and... It is just one big experience with Ben. Um, so <laughs> we did a massive drive that started in uh, started after a football game, obviously. <laughs> we went to watch <laughs> the infamous Portsmouth. Um, and then straight after that, we got on a ferry and into the uh, the 1.2 Punto carrying three boats, two big boys and a load of gear in the back and trying to drive over the Pyrenees in France. I mean... Wow. <laughs> so my, my memory of this is... I did the bulk of the driving and we were sort of running a bit behind time because, you know, it is a 1.2 punto. Yeah, but you would not let me stop for a hotel. It was Well, the, the, that was a dilemma, wasn't it? The fact mm-hmm. that we were losing time because the car was so slow, we had to drive through the night and we got to about 2am and I was like, I can't drive anymore, Jack. <laughs> At which point, Jack then hops in the driver's side. Does a power hour. Does, I don't think it was that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Pulls back in and says... My head was out the window, I couldn't drive anymore. Yeah. And uh, we made it down to Portugal in the end. Um, well, just some of us are definitely, aren't we? <laughs> I'm getting old. <laughs> but yeah, no, it is a fun fun thing to do, and I think it's actually more fun to do it with your mates. And no, for sure. Yeah. To do it like that rather than just flying and out, because, you know, we had... There was a lot of things that happened along that trip, which just... You know, we had a good laugh about it and actually yeah, th- probably made us closer and get to know each other better. Yeah, 
I mean, I think this is going to be part of it this year. I'm quite excited for how this year is going to pan out, not just in terms of the sailing and the results, but everything that comes along with going to all these different international events, seeing the different places and, um, yeah. Yes, yeah, so like I said, there's so much that we could talk about that me and you have done personally together. Are we allowed to say these kind of things on here? I don't think we are, are we? Oh, I guess, actually, there's, there's yeah, one, it depends there's, there's, a few, there's a few we can talk about. Um, I'm worried now. <laughs> So at this year's Nationals venue, Hayland Island, um, Ben used to come down quite a lot and stay with me and we'd go out in the bay in some questionable decisions and test out our sailing skills to the limits. Um, I remember this one time, uh, it was far too windy to go sailing, it's got to be pushing 40 knots and just to go out with no support, <laughs> no ribs, no nothing, was completely ridiculous. Um, but Flower being Flower convinced me that it would be fun and we'd go out and you know we'd have a we'd have a good time at least so um we worked our way at wind somehow uh <laughs> and we set off back down in what was he must have been 40 knots and huge waves maybe not four it was definitely over 30 though it, well, it was... felt like i don't know it felt big <laughs> felt too big put it that way <laughs> uh we were both clinging on for dear life trying to get back in and i don't know if you've heard of the infamous bar at Hayden Island but it's a sandbank under under the sea where the waves hit and just become enormous and <laughs> we were racing in going downwind and Ben's just in front of me and uh, <laughs> he gets hit by the biggest wave I've literally ever seen and he surfs it like a pro like Jamie O'Brien himself <laughs> and completely loses control and flies out the back of the boat and at the time, I was in hysterics. I couldn't stop laughing. It was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Trying to watch Flower breaststroke to his boat, which, oh, I don't know. And then the realisation hit that he wasn't going to catch his boat. <laughs> his boat, even though upside down and turtled, was still doing the best part of 10 knots. Well, the, the, and the problem, no way are you swimming 10 knots. The problem was, the sail hit the water, mm-hmm. but it was still filled. Right. Yeah. So it was still sailing. <laughs> So, yeah, like I said, at the time I was in hysterics, but when I realised that this could be an absolute situation was when the panic set in, when you were nowhere near your boat. So, instantly I thought, what's more important, Ben's ragged laser or Ben himself? So I made the decision, (laughs) to the disappointment of quite a few people, not to go and rescue the boat, but to go and rescue Ben. So after a few attempts, I managed to pull him into my laser um got him in and the next mission was then to try and drop Ben off at his boat which by this time had done about half a mile down <laughs> Hailing Bay so um we got Ben in um no we, we didn't initially do you remember the the plan was sort of planing in a laser flat out well, downwind yeah, yeah, yeah. and then you were like right you've got to jump I would say three, two, one, jump. Well, that's the thing with two, with a, with, with two boys and a laser sailing downwind in 30 plus knots in waves is a lot harder than you think. So in, we, we tried to go downwind, I think. Yeah, that, well, we had to reach, happen, reach so, a bit more. Yeah. But when I jumped out, the main sheet was round my foot, which yeah. then lassoed you out of the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Just a quick one on this, if anyone wants uh, to watch it, I think it's on your Instagram still, isn't it? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a few videos. I don't think words quite do this justice, but you managed to capture pretty much most of this on GoPro. So yeah, we got Ben back in the boat. The new tactic was to broad reach down to Ben's boat, which was far away by now. And 
I don't think I've ever been that fast in a laser. Um, <laughs> with two people hiking out on a broad reach, it was absolutely <laughs> pinging. Like, <laughs> I had um, you on the main sheet. I think I had pretty much both hands on the tiller to try and keep it straight. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we worked our way um, down to your boat. and But I never made it back into the boat. Well, that was it. So it was it was time for you to eject. And when you did eject, you took me with you. <laughs> So yeah, it was becoming it was becoming quite dangerous at this point and we laugh about it now, but at the time I can tell you it was not funny, was it? Well, at, at this point when we got back in the boat and we saw my boat really close to shore, we like, we just got abandoned it. Yeah. And um head in. Yeah. But luckily the owner liked him at that point. Yeah, so we were creating quite a scene and yeah, uh, hailing. Um there's the Arlen Eye Centre. Thankfully, not too far away. So they saw the kerfuffle that was going along and zoomed out in a boat and asked if everything was okay, which it obviously wasn't. Um, they took you away, didn't they? <laughs> we tried to persuade them to go and rescue the boat, but at that point, it was just about safety, wasn't it? So yeah. they, yeah, they dropped us both back on the shore and we went to uh, rescue what what was left of your laser. Uh, and when they did come and pick the when we did come and pick up the laser, it was just beached on the boat on on the uh and i think that was an insurance job in the end um because <laughs> it was wrecked beyond repair i think the funniest bit was um we were both packing it away and you went jack just go and pass me your tiller and i went <laughs> i bent over to pick it up and it, it just fell in two pieces <laughs> and at that point we both looked at each other and thought this is unsavable this, this boat's dead now which uh that that boat was it was a good boat right yeah i i enjoyed sailing that boat um, you know, I have a lot of fun memories, and I think a lot of the fun memories have come because we went out in, you know, stupid conditions, or maybe you know, maybe definitely on the edge. But it's more fun in those conditions. Well, because yeah, you say that, but I think I don't think we both do it now. Oh, I would. <laughs> like as I think, when when you actually consider it all, it then when you go and race in twenty knots, it you know your boat handling yeah I mean, you, because... uh, a, a bit ago you spoke about how quickly I was progressing but um, it was probably because of days like that when Ben had come down and most of the time you know people would say no that's too windy we're not going out but we, we'd just get out and it was the middle of the winter as well wasn't it and we'd combine that with some Andrew Simpson training at Weymouth wouldn't we where James Haddon the man would send us out in again completely questionable conditions <laughs> but luckily we had a rib with him in well, it well yeah so. so if anything went tits up then um death wasn't a certainty so yeah, but like you said sailing like that in conditions like that really set us up didn't it for the qualifiers which happened in march well i just think when you know when you're actually on the limit of death it's actually the most exciting part you know you well you speak speaking for yourself or... there <laughs> <laughs> you know you've got to get the adrenaline going i feel otherwise you uh live quite a boring life but mm. but yeah no it's been fantastic chat with you Jack so thanks for that and hopefully people have enjoyed listening and best of luck with Palmer this week thank you you and too hopefully you don't beat me but... well, we'll see. that's the aim <laughs> but we'll see but thanks all for listening and we'll see you again soon